Good afternoon, church. Let's try that again. Good afternoon. All right. It's good to see you. That's a strange thing to say, but it is a good thing to say today. It is good to be together. It is good to be uh, singing his praises and hearing the echoes uh, in this place. The word has already been uh, preached here twice, I believe, this morning and uh, this afternoon, or this evening, rather. uh, Spanish-speaking congregation, I believe, will be here. And so there has been a lot of, of lifting of the voices of praise to God and proclamation of the word of God. It is great to be with you on this first Sunday of 2021. Uh, my prayer for you, for me, for our church family is that we would grow, that you would grow to love Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength in the year 2021. His, he is a treasure that is greater than anything else in the universe. And we struggle, you and I, to, to believe that. It's already been alluded to in our time of confession how moment by moment we need to kind of come back to our senses, to our biblical framework, and acknowledge that the greatest treasure in the universe is our God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing compares to knowing him. And the joy of the Lord, that durable joy of the Lord, can be yours in 2021. Now, 2020, uh, leaders have called it a variety of things, some of which I don't want to uh, repeat here, but it has been a miserable year. It has been called a miserable year. But for the Christ follower, 2020, as well as 2021, can be a joyful, beautiful experience no matter what is coming or no matter what has happened in 2020. Because when God is our greatest treasure, our joy comes from Him, not from circumstances around us. And so I want to just bring that message of hope here at the beginning of this sermon in this first Sunday of 2021 before we get into our scripture passage and into the text today. In fact, let me transition to that now. We're going to be starting the book of Romans here in just a few weeks, but for those of you that have been with us the last month or so uh, through Christmas, through December, we have been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We have called it Christmas on the Mount. And I don't know about you, but life doesn't often go as planned. Can I get an amen to that? It doesn't often go as planned. And sermon series don't often go as planned. And so we didn't get through each of the eight Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 1 through 10. Uh, We missed one, the last one. And it seemed like it would have been easy for me just to leave that one aside and to move on and to begin the new series with this first Sunday of the year. That seemed like the normal thing to do. But we want the Word of God to be our priority and for it to set our schedule. And as I looked at the eighth beatitude, it is the only beatitude that is repeated. It is emphasized. And there is an order and a progress that leads us to this eighth one. So all of that to say, if you might be saying today, why are we talking about persecution and martyrdom on the first Sunday of 2021? uh, This is why. We didn't get this covered, verses 10 through 12 of Matthew 5 in the previous week. So that's where we are headed uh, to verses 10 through 12. So hopefully you have your Bibles open, your devices open. Let's look at the scriptures together 
and see how he would speak to you and to me through his word. Matthew 5 and verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So this is, let me just pause here. This is the final, the eighth beatitude. And if we had time, I'd summarize each one and go through them and show the progress in order. I've done that in the more recent sermons. So this is the eighth and final one. And it fits with the previous seven. But then Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, expands on this eighth beatitude. He doesn't do this with any of the others. Look at verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It's almost like this. When he said this, this eighth beatitude, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, not persecuted just in general, not persecuted in, in a variety of ways, but persecuted because of Christ, because of righteousness. Are you really saying, Jesus, that we're blessed? That that is who the kingdom of heaven is for? Is that really what you're saying? These beatitudes are counterintuitive. They are paradoxical. They are not what we expect blessing to look like. Blessed are those who are persecuted. So he goes on and has somewhat of a double explanation or this eighth beatitude. He expands on it in verses 11 through 12. And he says, yes, this is what it means. You are blessed when you are persecuted, when people insult you, when they persecute you. When they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, the end of verse 11. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond, rather, when people say false things about you? How do you respond when people lie to you, make up things about you, criticize you, persecute you because of Christ? Now, I don't know about you, but to be really honest, my default place to go is to complain. I don't like that. If someone is lying about me or lying to me or insulting me, saying falsely all kinds of evil against me, my response, I don't know about you, but my response is not to feel blessed. <laughs> my response is either to complain or to get in their face, to retaliate, to show how they are wrong, or to sulk. There's a whole variety of ways that Mike in the flesh wants to respond when someone insults me, persecutes me, or falsely says all kinds of evil against me. But what is our response to be? Look at verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. This is a supernatural response. So I can't say to you this morning, here's the three ways to respond so that you're blessed when people say falsely all kinds of evil against you. It takes the work of God, the grace of God for you or me or someone else to rejoice and be glad when we are persecuted because of Christ, because of the gospel, because of righteousness. But it is indeed possible, and we're going to hear testimonies about that in this message from Scripture and from others. 
Verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecution is one of the marks of the Christ follower. According to Jesus' sermon here, the Sermon on the Mount in these Beatitudes, being poor in spirit, mourning, being meek, hungering and thirst for righteousness, showing mercy, being a peacemaker, and being persecuted. These are the eight things in his sermon that he points out that are marks of Christ followers. We've covered all the seven others until today. And so today is about persecution. So our natural response, our fleshly response is to complain or to retaliate or to sulk. But the supernatural response is to rejoice and be glad. This only happens by God's grace. Now, anytime we read the scriptures, we study the scriptures, we preach the scriptures, we need to think about the ancient context and we need to think about today. So let's just go back to the ancient context for a moment. So imagine Jesus 2,000 years ago preaching to the disciples and to a crowd. He's, he's in the foothills or on the mountain near the Sea of Galilee, and he's preaching this sermon. We need to go back and think about the church in the first century, those first Christ followers early in Jesus' ministry. We need to remind ourselves as we look at this passage that the early church was a persecuted church. That the early church was a suffering church. One commentator writes this. He says, we do not have in these beatitudes a gospel for the unevangelized, but a word of encouragement to the suffering church. So as you read these Beatitudes, and if you are far from suffering, far from persecution, you may struggle with what Jesus is saying in this sermon. But they were not far from suffering. They were in the midst of it. Each one of his 12 followers, the apostles, would eventually lose their life because of Christ, with the exception of the Apostle John, perhaps. The first century is a suffering church. So, we've talked a little bit about the ancient context and what was going on. They were not welcomed in the synagogue. There were no churches or seminaries. And when I say churches, I mean buildings like this. There were no Christian institutions in the early church. The church was a bunch of Christ followers who were moving from place to place, getting pushed out and being persecuted and being, and being lied to and being falsely, uh, all kinds of false things saying about them. But they knew that they had a great reward in heaven. And so they were willing to suffer for following the Lord Jesus because they know he is their greatest treasure and they knew what was coming. So, I have five points out of this text for us today. We've talked about the ancient context. Let's talk about us and how we are to respond to this text, which says that you and I are blessed when we are persecuted because of righteousness, because of the sake when we are persecuted or suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. So point number one, 
Persecution exposes rival kingdoms. Rival kingdoms. And I'm going to call the rival kingdoms the world and the kingdom of heaven. So I'm getting the kingdom of heaven from verse 10. And as you look back at the end of verse 10, notice it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there is a sense that when we are persecuted, that the kingdom is already established. There is a small sense in which we are in the presence of God, even this morning as we are gathered. But there's another sense where we are waiting his return. And most of the Beatitudes are focused on the new heavens and the new earth and the time when we will be gathered with him in our home and not in this transitional place as aliens and strangers. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there is a sense when we are suffering persecution in the midst of it, we are experiencing the kingdom of heaven, but there's another sense that it is coming. But back to point number one, persecution exposes rival kingdoms, the world and the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So when you and I face some kind of criticism, persecution, being made fun of, which I think many of us have experienced, we are going to be choosing between these two rival kingdoms which one we are going to stand in. So the kingdom of heaven is described here. This phrase is used in verse 10. Let me read a passage about the other kingdom, and I'm calling that the world. We read about it in 1 John 2. If you want to turn there, it's verses 16 and 17, or just listen. 1 John 2. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So there is this contrast in the scriptures between the world... And here, the way the word world or cosmos is used in 1 John 2 is entirely negative... Other places, that word cosmos is positive, for God so loved the cosmos. But there's another usage where the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And it's passing away, and it's not from the Father. And that's the way I'm using the word world, the way John is using it in 1 John 2. So when persecution comes into your life or into my life, through someone mocking us, because we actually believe the Bible is the word of God, or we believe that he created them male and female, or we believe that he rose on the third day, and that he sustains this world and all of the rulers and authorities in place. People mock us for that. When that comes our way, we are going to make a choice about which kingdom we are in in that moment. Are you in the world or are you in the kingdom of heaven? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All my actions reveal when verbal or physical persecution comes, all of my actions, all of your actions then reveal which kingdom you are currently experiencing and believing Will my actions reveal a person who is a citizen of the world or a citizen of the kingdom of heaven when verbal or physical persecution comes? 
Persecution exposes rival kingdoms, the world and the kingdom of God. Everything that is hostile in this world to God is what the word world means in 1 John 2. And those are the two categories I'm talking about. John Stott wrote many years ago, he wrote this. We should not be surprised if anti-Christian hostility increases, but rather be surprised if it does not. You see, part of the reason that the church in 2020 or 2021 in the foothills struggles with the beatitude is because, some of you may not like me saying this, but compared to church history, compared to the first century, our lives are more like a country club life or a Disneyland life than they are like what the apostles experienced. And they were mourning and they are struggling because of physical and verbal persecution because of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, blessed are you who mourn and are persecuted. But most of us here today, not all of us, but most of us experience persecution in very small and not significant ways compared to the first century and compared to many Christ followers throughout history. I'm going to refer to a few of them in a moment. So we need to emphasize passages like Luke 6, 26, where Jesus says in a sermon similar to this sermon, he said, woe to you. This is is to Christ's followers, to his disciples, to you and me. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Did you hear that? Our Lord said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. In other words, the Christ follower is going to be in the world and is going to experience persecution and attack and mockery. So if all you're getting is attaboys and and attagirls and well done in everywhere you go, you need to do some thinking. Christ follower, woe to you when all men speak of you. That is not how Christ or his followers were treated. So he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for me and my sake. All right, I'm going to pick up the pace here. I have five points. Number one, I've already said it. Let me say it again. Persecution exposes rival kingdoms, the world and the kingdom of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Number two, persecution reveals the genuineness of the Christ follower's heart. Persecution, which you can talk to me afterward if you disagree, and some of you may, which we are in a very, very low level here in the foothills, in America. It is very low compared to church history going back to the first century. But persecution reveals the genuineness of the Christ follower's heart. Now, instead of me saying what I've already been saying, a controversial premise that our level of persecution is very low, let me give you some evidence for why I'm saying this and why I believe this strongly. I'm going to read from Hebrews 10, 34. Just listen to what's going on there. 
10.34, Hebrews says this, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. I'm going here to give you a flavor of what it was like to be a Christ follower in the first century. We're just jumping into Hebrews 10. Let me just briefly tell you what's going on here. Some of the Christ followers, because of Jesus, have been put in prison. And prisons in the first century were not like prisons today. You didn't get fed in prison. You had to have family or Christ followers on the outside who would bring you food. Otherwise, you died. So some Christ followers were in prison. And other Christ followers were outside of prison. And those Christ followers who are outside of prison are bringing food and encouragement and prayer to those who are in prison. So those who are out of prison, when they come to prison, they are now identified with those who are in prison. And the world is against them. And so the world took their property, their homes, their property. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm talking to men and women here, but I love my property. Anybody here love your property? Like your house? I do. I love my trees. I love all sorts of things about my property. It's a weird thing to kind of be doing a few things on it for me on Sunday, but I was this afternoon, earlier, early later this morning. Back to the first century, what it was like to be a Christ follower. Some Christ followers in prison, some are outside of prison, and they're bringing them food, and they're bringing them encouragement. But because they, those who are outside of prison, are now identified with the Christ followers who are in prison, either the government or thugs, we're not sure who, somebody in power, the world, came and took their property and their homes from them because they're visiting Christ followers in prison. But did you catch what it said? They joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. They didn't protest. They didn't fight. They didn't take up arms. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Why? Because they knew they had a better possession and a, an abiding one. They had an abiding possession in the greatest treasure in the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they had a new heavens and new earth is coming. And so they held to their property very loosely and their homes very loosely. And so I want to suggest that Hebrews 10.34 at the outset of 2021 is an important text for those of us and I'm suggesting that we are very far from being put in prison because of Jesus and proclaiming the gospel. In our country, we have massive civil liberties, massive freedom of religion and liberty. That's why we need to meditate on Hebrews 10.34 so that you and I can ask the question, if they came for my property and my house, or if I knew they were going to come for my property and my house, would I go to prison to visit those and identify myself with them and with Christ, knowing this would happen? 
Persecution reveals the genuineness of Christ followers' hearts. I want to read to you a story. I've gone back to the first century. I want to read to you a story about a Christ follower from recent times, from 2006. I thought I had this bookmarked, but I don't, so I'm stalling here. Um, while I'm stalling, so this, this book is, you can't see it in the way back, but it's a beautiful looking book. And someone gave this to me. I think it was actually the organization, the Voice of the Martyrs, that gave these to pastors when they came out back in 2007. And it is a good thing to have and to look at and to meditate on. It's an adaptation of Fox's Books of Martyrs, which goes back to the 1500s. But this was from uh, the year 2007, and it is full of stories from A.D. 33 all the way until nearly today of people who have suffered and been persecuted because of righteousness. And I want to read to you one of these stories once I find it. It's one of the only ones in here where we don't have the name of the person. I'm just about there. Say, it's okay, Mike. It's okay. You, you're not that organized. It's okay. It's okay. I, I, I had my bookmark in there, but I somehow moved it. All right, I think I got it. Yes. So this is one of the few people that we don't have the person's name. It's from June 28, 2006, when this happened. And the title here, normally this has the person's name. Many of them are pastors or missionaries, church leaders who are well-known in their area, not well-known globally, but well-known in their area. But this one is simply entitled, A Nigerian Woman. Release her to us. Release her or we will burn down the building. She deserves death. By now, the mob had fully surrounded the police station. And their demands for the officers to hand over the woman to them had grown to a deafening level. Several held rocks of various sizes in their hands, ready to release them at the first sight of the woman, the infidel, while others held clubs and sticks. The police had only moments ago found the bruised and bloodied woman and brought her into the station to protect her from Muslim extremists who were beating her with clubs and fists. Earlier that day, this unidentified woman had been evangelizing in the streets of his own Nigeria. She had entered into a conversation with some Muslim youths, sharing the gospel and handing them some Christian literature to read. Her encounter had not gone unnoticed. Muslim elders standing nearby had seen the exchange and approached the youths to find out what she had told them. They were infuriated to learn that she had shared the gospel with them. They claimed she had insulted the prophet of Islam, Muhammad, and insisted that the woman be killed. Their rage and allegations incited hundreds of other Muslims to pour through the streets to track down the woman. They finally caught up with her near the river Gerara and began beating her. That's when the police intervened and brought her into protective custody at the Izom police station. The mob stormed the premises. 
demanding she be released to be stoned to death in accordance with Sharia Islamic law. The Islamic legal system was implemented in several states of Nigeria in 2000, making it illegal to speak out against Allah or the Prophet Muhammad. The police had persistently refused to hand her over and were now faced with the real threat that the mob would burn down the police station. In an effort to protect the woman and get her to safety, the police tried to smuggle her out through the back door, but the angry Muslims had blocked all escape routes. Fleeing for their lives, the police abandoned the woman at the door, and members of the mob clubbed her to death. In the panic, the police did not have time to identify the woman before she was killed. All that is known of this courageous young woman is her actions of love in reaching others for Christ and bringing them the good news. Although nameless in death, she unashamedly pointed others toward the true name above all names, Jesus Christ. And it is certain that he was ready to welcome her by name into eternity. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Because we live with the freedoms that we have in this country, it is extremely important for us to meditate on passages like Hebrews 10.34, for us to have books in our homes like this one, or like Fox's Books of Martyrs written in the 1500s that this book is based on upon. We can understand what Jesus is teaching and preaching when we enter in into the experience of Christ followers who have gone before us and not experienced the unusual freedom and blessing that we have in this country. So persecution reveals the genuineness of the Christ follower's heart. Number three, and I'll speed up here, persecution reveals durable joy like nothing else. Yes, persecution reveals durable joy like nothing else. Now, in the interest of time, I won't go through the entire passage, but let me just summarize briefly another example from the first century now, going from 2006 in Nigeria back to the first century, of what persecution was like and how it brought out Durable joy, that is joy that is not dependent upon circumstances. Joy that comes from Christ. I'm thinking of a very familiar passage in Acts chapter 16. For those few of you that may not be familiar with it, uh, there was a, uh, a girl who could predict the future. And uh, this isn't too dissimilar to what we have going on today. Just a month or so ago, I'm driving down Highway 50, and there's, there were more than one of these places all lit up with neon to pull over and get my palm read and get the future told. I didn't pull over and stop there, but I did see those places. So this girl back in Acts chapter 16 was doing that. Many of you are familiar with this story. And Paul, the apostle, prays for her, and she loses the power and ability to predict the future. She had some supernatural, demonic power. Paul prays for her, and it goes away. And you know the story. They end up in jail, Paul and Silas. And they end up in prison 
But the reason I'm telling this story isn't the great ending and the earthquake and all of that. I'm telling the story because they were praying and singing hymns, verse 25 says. Because their greatest treasure was the Lord Jesus Christ, and they knew that they were aliens and strangers in this world. Their hope and their focus was on the new heavens and the new earth. So that's how they were able to sing joyfully and pray in the jail cell. And God was with them. So persecution reveals durable joy like nothing else. Persecution, number four, directs the heart of the believer to the new heavens and the new earth. Persecution directs the heart of the believer to the new heavens and the new earth. In Hebrews 11, we've already looked at 1034, but if we jump forward to chapter 11, where we have this summary of the heroes of the faith, it says they admitted they were aliens and strangers on the earth. We live in such a comfortable setting, we need to remind ourselves what Hebrews eleven thirteen says, that this is not our home. We are citizens of the new heavens and the new earth, of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus says in his sermon in Matthew 5. We need to remind ourselves that we are pilgrims on a journey, that our home is with the Lord Jesus, and this is just a temporary place. So unless we have that mindset, we would never joyfully accept the plundering of our property or willfully go to jail to visit someone in jail, be identified with them, and then suffer persecution because of it. It would make no sense to do that unless your treasure is someplace else. That was the case of the early Christians. Their treasure was not in their property. It wasn't in their rights under the Constitution. It wasn't being willing to die and suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. And to so identify with those brothers and sisters who were in prison. Our God is a global God. And because of the freedoms and liberties that we have, and I am thankful for them, we need to preach these texts to ourselves and ask God to make us like them, even though we're not experiencing the terrible sufferings and persecutions that they were experiencing. Make us like them in that Jesus is our greatest treasure, even though I'm not going to go to prison for preaching the gospel here, or even had I pulled over on Highway 50 and gone into the fortune teller and prayed for the palm reader, and she lost the ability to do that, I would not have gone to jail. But give me the same heart of those who did. Persecution directs the heart of the believer to the new heavens and the new earth. So at this point, some of you may be asking yourselves, well, where is the justice? We're supposed to just sit back and and let this happen if it were to come to us, which I don't think it is, but some of you would disagree with me and think it's coming. So if it did, if, if, if a bunch of us were in prison next week, we're supposed to just let that go? How do we respond? Well, let's look at the scripture for some answers. 
Revelation chapter 6. Let me read it to you. This is in verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I, the Apostle John, saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? I know we ask sometimes what it's like in heaven. Here's one answer. What is it like in the presence of the Lord right now? Well, in the presence of the Lord, there are people who died, martyred, persecuted unto death because of Jesus. And they are saying, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? How long until justice comes to those who did what they did to this woman in Nigeria. And this whole book is full of people like that. How long? Back to Revelation. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had, as they had been was completed. Let me read that again. Until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Did you get that? The number of people who are going to die because of the gospel hasn't yet been completed. So those martyrs who are crying out how long sovereign Lord are told to be patient and wait. And we remain in that time period today. Persecution directs the heart of the believer to the new heavens and the new earth. Fifth and final point. I mean, I, I, I opened up justice here. Let me just say, so I, I think it's intuitive, but let me say it explicitly. Justice comes from God. He doesn't say, my servants aren't rising up and taking people out. We're not called to do that. We are called to enter in to the afflictions and tribulations and sufferings that our Lord experienced. And suffering is redemptive for the believer in Jesus. And that number isn't full yet. And so wait. Let that hit you, that truth. That is a crazy radical statement. Why aren't you avenging what all these terrible people have done? Jesus said there is more terrible things to be done and others who are going to lose their lives for my sake. So wait, then he will avenge it when he returns. That's not our mission, to avenge the blood of the martyrs. So persecution directs the heart of the believer to the new heavens and the new earth. Final point, persecution forges courage like nothing else. Now, as we wind the sermon down, some of you here this morning are like, I am really far from this. I am really far from the idea of identifying with prisoners who are there because of Christ, and now I'm going to be identified with them, and I'm going to willingly suffer by bringing them a meal. I'm not sure I'm at a place like that, spiritually. 
had, if we were in such a context, I'm not sure I would be there. So I want to finish today by, by with a word of encouragement, how the, the apostles and, and the people who suffered this way were people just like you and me. People like Peter. Remember in Matthew 26, Peter remembered those words that Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You remember that? The leader of the apostles is going to deny Jesus three times. And then he did. So we can find some comfort in that because probably many of us could identify with, yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to go to prison and visit those people. I'm not sure I'm ready to speak up knowing that death or suffering is going to come my way. Well, that's where Peter was. But by God's grace, that's not where Peter stayed. And that's really at the heart of this sermon. If you're saying to yourself, what does this sermon have to do with me? If you're very far from being in a place where you would identify with prisoners for Jesus, and if you identify with them by bringing them a meal, you may lose your house and property and suffer. If you're very far from saying, yeah, I would do that, I want you to think about Peter. Because Peter was in that place, probably where many of us are right now. I'm not sure that I would say, yes, that's my Lord. If that suffering is, is now indisputably coming to me once I say that, I might skip out on saying that. I might skip out on the prison visit. So persecution forges courage like nothing else. In Matthew 26, 75, after this happened, it says, and Peter went outside and wept bitterly. This brings us full circle to the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn. Peter went outside, and he wept bitterly. He was mourning over his own sin and doubt and rejection of Christ. He was repenting, tears of repentance. And God changed Peter. And Peter became massively courageous by God's grace. And this persecution, this mockery, you're one of his, aren't you? is what brought all of that about. Persecution forges courage like nothing else. And so where does Peter end up? God doesn't hammer him for the rest of his life, for those three denials, if you can identify more with the denials than with the prison visit. But in John 21, Jesus prophesies this. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, Peter, and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. You are going to die on a cross, Peter, for my sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted, whether it's verbal or whether it's physical. Peter is persecuted verbally after the arrest of Christ. Then he becomes poor in spirit. Then he mourns and repents. And he becomes a courageous person who knows his greatest treasure is Jesus. And he's living for the new heavens and the new earth. And so by God's grace, he is willing to suffer and die. And church history tells us that that is what happened to him. First Clement, one of the earliest Christian documents that we have in existence outside the New Testament, points to that. So I want to close today asking myself and asking you, asking us to pray together that God would give us the courage 
of martyrs, even though I think it is incredibly unlikely, near 0%, that we are going to experience this in our country, in our lifetime, in 2021. That's just my perspective. That's not the Bible. So none of us knows what is coming. So if it were to come, may God make us like Peter, but it is not likely to come, so God make us like Peter in this freedom and liberty that we have. That is the note I want to end on. Let's join our hearts and pray together on this first Sunday of 2021. Father in heaven, we ask that you would give us the courage and willingness to be persecuted, mocked, whether it's verbal, whether it's physical. Lord, we think of this Nigerian woman we think of the early Christians in the book of Hebrews who went to visit Christians in prison and suffered because of that. Lord, your word tells us that your followers are blessed when we are persecuted. And that seems like a really strange thing if we are not led by your spirit and we are not thinking of ourselves as aliens and strangers in this world. So help us to think that way, God. And help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. May you be our greatest treasure in 2021 and beyond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.